Hi, Jimmy here. Welcome to an action-packed bubble episode of Shoulders of Giants, which we are titling Intro the Sequel. Over the next 70 minutes, we cover a lot in our order of business, not least an update on the future of this very podcast. We also get into plagiarized theme tunes, and Sheppy has the gall to challenge Adonis Creed's dental hygiene habits. We cover sequels that we could have done if they weren't already out there. We bring back one of our favorites, line readings that were misdelivered and line readings that lifted the material. We consider the blockbusters that never were for Nicholas Lindhurst, a couple of Sheppy pitches that have yet to be tabled, and we also find time for a spoiler-filled chat about the finales of Ted Lasso and Barry, before wrapping up with a Fools and Horses debrief and even a wag of the chin about 1883. All that, and there's still time to kick things off with some extended banter about me recording this one from the back of a camper van and Sheppy's recent haircut and incredible Father Christmas beard. Hope you enjoy. There you go. Holy shit. At some point I'm gonna I'm gonna but just because of the novelty, I haven't touched a hair. Uh, I'm just like it's never it's never been like this. I've Did had you? really long hair before and I had that really long goatee before, uh, but I never had a full on great big beard. And then I never ever had like short hair and a great big beard. It's it's crazy. Looks and my hat cool, fits. Man. Thanks, man. So um it's for the moment in any case, just for the for the novelty and the shits and giggles i'm probably gonna do something you know put it down a little bit i think do nothing very nice. i think do nothing <laughs> i'm loving it it's you very definitely. nice to see you, you especially because it's nice it's very it's, it's very summer. 70s star wars behind me and that that's sort of mm. that kind of vibe yes yeah you, you're in the hours. little escape pod What's going on in your life that you're living like a vagabond cereal? <laughs> I'm still married, Sheppy. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, uh, there's a gloves up here that we're doing in Bundaberg. We're getting paid such peanuts. I can't afford to stay anywhere. You know, while I'm right. here, so I've taken the van with me and I'm just staying in the van. The executive lifestyle, Sheppy. <laughs> Dude, this is, though, you know, of course, the first act or maybe even just the first 20 minutes of It's Like There Will Be Blood when he's like, falling down shafts and crawling out with a broken leg and dragging himself off across hundreds of miles of desert. It's like, that's your, this is your moment at the beginning. And then later, you know, it's going to be the great Gatsby. So just, and then you're going to dream of, oh, you know what I really miss? You'll say to me as we sip our cognac over the Riviera, you'll say, (laughs) I, what I really miss is just that time when I was living in the van, just like, (laughs) You know, we got so ripped off and I was just having to work all that time. God, I was tired, but ah, oh, what I wouldn't give for one more night in that stinky old man, eh, Sheppy? <laughs> I'd be like, whatever, my dear boy, who's for more truffles? <laughs> I love that, mate. That's amazing. I, I, um, <laughs> I actually genuinely, genuinely love this van. I love it. Like, we set it all up beautifully. Got it all like we paint repainted it stuff, she and I, and then like and just the vibe of it, and I sleep so well in it and everything. But what I really wanted to say was 
Last time I I did this before, and then the program got canned temporarily about a month ago, and um, and I I went off to get breakfast, came back because I keep forgetting to put the frying pan back in to like make my own self breakfast here. So I went and got like a Macca's or something, came back, and there was this dude next to the van, and I've just had to submit a writing piece for my writing group as well, right? And so I did. So I'm trying to think of the next novel. And there's this dude next to me is a fucking prospector. So <laughs> to what you were just saying, and it's a serious good old boy prospector, Aussie guy, the proper fucking part, had all this amazing turn of phrase that like only a prospector would say, had spades for his names, with like the rich <laughs> sorry, names for his spades. So anyway, he was the richest character I've ever met in my entire life, Sheps. And I was like, fucking hell, I could write a whole book about you, man. But, you know, the, the, just like, you know, he showed well, me stones and everything. It was amazing. Like, it was really... Wow. Well, yeah. no, you must. Maybe <laughs> this is the first... This might be the first five minutes, and you're doing this, and then it's how you write this book, and then so on. Um, yes, you, that's great. You, you absolutely should write something down. That's um, That's amazing. <laughs> Good for you, Jimmy, though. Honestly, well done. God bless well, you, Jeppy. Well, none of this will be in the pod. This is all too gratuitous on my part. Sure. But it's, it's just happy and nice that we catch up. Yeah, so how are well, you, Dan? What's happening in your life? It looks lovely and sunny. It's really, really sunny. It's like I've turned the light on because it is now just beginning to dim. But I remember, like, in the deep winter, me sort of, like, going, you know, crowing to myself that, oh, I remember the days when I did, you know, I turned the light on just so I wouldn't have to get up. But when we started the potty, I wouldn't even have to, you know, turn the light on. And this is like, you know, it's pitch dark Siberian winter, traveling bears outside the window at, like, five o'clock in the afternoon. And so then, you know, so we're already past the two o'clock in the morning phase by nine o'clock. So now, yes, it's lovely. I'm in my shorts. I'm in my red T-shirt. I've got a haircut. I've got the window wide open. Um, so if it's noisy, I'll have to shut it. But at the moment, it's way up. And I've got the dog here. And um, I'm very well. I've got a double tea bag, just in case. And I'm, I'm very happy, Jimbo. I'm very happy. So, yes. Um, I, have, I have everything more or less sort of like, I was very organized. In fact, when you wrote me, today, ships, you, you should even do the welcome to bloody shoulders of giants. That would be amazing. Even though I've just well, I'll tell you what. I think that was perfect. Shall we just go in from there, and you can say what the hell we're doing here? <laughs> okay. Well, look, that th this is the voice of. Uh, I was going to say young. Oh my god! What the hell is this? <laughs> I asked for something, but I wasn't expecting that. I shouldn't. I guess I should have been. I don't know what. That's amazing. And I honestly thought you were going to say this is the voice of God. And if you had, I wouldn't have questioned it. Uh, you've got the commanding tone, Jimmy. But um. Oh, okay. now ships. <laughs> so we've we've said our names, um, yeah. and we've said that this is Shoulders of Giants. What is Shoulders of Giants, oh Lord? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you asked me that, Sheppy. Well, now you're Mufasa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we are bringing full circle. Oh, no, uh, Mufasa, remind wow. me quickly. Is that the Lion yes. King, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Nice. Yes. Thanks. Simba. I am your father, Simba. Like, yes, I know. That's not a twist. 
he's your uncle, Simba. Yeah, that's not a twist either. Ah, oh, there's got to be a twist. It's me, James Earl Jones. Well, that's sort of a twist. I don't know. I don't know. Is that a twist? Um, that was a tangent, Jimmy, which you started and I really let get out of control in a very messy, coordinated, unsatisfactory way. <laughs> what what the hell, Jimmy, is the Shoulders of Giants that you carped on about, and yet I've yet to have my curiosity sated in any way? We are the worst <laughs> podcast ships for movies, sequels and prequels and spin-offs and TV, extra seasons, all sorts of fun and games oh. and plays with IP. And um, <laughs> yes... I love that you always throw in the IP. I'm I'm not even sure. I know basically what it means, but I'm not even sure exactly what I know what it exactly. Is it independent property? Yeah. Is that it? Intellectual property. Yeah. yeah. There's hell. nothing intellectual about my property when I build on it ships. <laughs> um. I've seen it, Jimmy. You have a lovely property. Now, look, <laughs> let's just get to this then. This, though, we're not doing any of those things today. This is kind of like um, an, an intro part two, as you know, because we're not having an outro. Basically, this should have been after the 50th, just to make it really symmetrical. But we're taking ages to get the 50th done. My part of that is because I've been so unmotivated, I think, because I know that it's the 50th. Um, and so I'm like... Uh, knowing of you know that sort of situation plus as i said to you jimmy i'm totally in support of the writer's strike going on in hollywood at the moment so i think <laughs> in my own special way i'm supporting that and on your part jimmy you don't have the time you're living in a van so what we need to do at this point <laughs> is just drop in this now so people know we're still around and kicking the 50th episode is coming and this is kind of like a little bubble to also say about where the future of the podcast is going. We're going to change gear a little bit. We're going to change direction a little bit. We're going to keep on moving, but slow it down just a touch. Um, but just for, you know, for one thing, the 50th is lovely and it's, it seems like a good time. You know, I've always said it's like five. Well, I've, at first I said it was like five phases like Marvel but then I sort of gave up on that at some point so it's seasons so it's five seasons of 10 proper bodies each and with the odd bubble and then that's kind of nice and after that we can continue it but it won't fizzle out it'll be like specials it'll be like only fools and horses where we've got like the sets you know seasons and after that it's like specials which we'll release once a month, once every few weeks, maybe even once a week for a bit if we're feeling saucy, but more likely it'll just be spread up. And in terms of the regular pod, we'll still do our pitches, but they'll be like, you know, every so often, like a little treat just to give sort of breathing time because we have been doing this for a little while now. And I've always sort of been lighting a fire under your unfortunate ass in terms of, every two weeks every three weeks at, at most you know let's just keep a momentum going and for my own benefit of writing just having that sort of deadline is always helpful but again you can't keep that up forever and you are a busy man jimmy so that's another good reason and you know when it stops being fun what's the point so also keep it special people keep it happy um so that's nice so one thing is we're going to continue to do the regular but at a, at a slower pace also if there's a bubble where we're like, oh, we want to talk about this or that. We can just pop up and do that whenever. And also there are little variations that we've been talking about that maybe we'll keep under our hat at the moment, 
the little things that we've been talking about for over a year, actually, of things that we could do, just little different things. And one other little thing, just in terms of format change, is we can do the old classic cold pitch, where we have like a list of films uh, in a hat, and we pull it out, and we both together come up live with a cold pitch, thereby keeping it fresh and different, and also eliminating the preparation factor, which is a helpful tool as well. So there you are, that's my little spiel, and I wanted to sort of get that out there, uh, just as we approach the mighty 50th. Uh, and uh, what do you think to that, Jimmy? And I, and I want you to act like this is the first time you've heard of this, <laughs> and I've just sprung it on you. And you slowly go, that's a great idea, Sheppy, and wipe away a tear and slide 50 next best pod idea pitches for Sheppy with a massive exclamation mark on a piece of paper to slide it under uh, another piece, piece of, of blank shredder. paper. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, flip it in, shredder immediately. Yeah, <laughs> one solitary tear rolls down Jimbo's cheek. Doing this you know, weekly uh, and trying to keep coming up with, you know, the the um, the next movie. Uh, I don't think that's got stale at all yet. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's there's more likely that we're going to come up with really the next best possible pitch that we have well, to do next by doing this. With that in mind, I will say I have uh, my original list, which is some of which I've used, some of which I haven't, and I've been adding to here and there. So I have a fairly substantial list, actually, that I think is quite strong. Let's say, it's probably not 20, but it might be close to 20, but 10 of that you could cut away. The other 10, I think, are very strong, and five of them, if we didn't ever do, I'd be really sad. So that's nice. that's it for my little camp. That's a bloody big tease in and of itself. That's exciting. I have, honestly, right now, still three remaining, I think. On my, on my nice. list, um, Sheppy list. So, um, but uh, but yeah, listen, man. Look, I um, I I I think this is a great time to rejig the format of the show a little. We're fifty means we're at a hundred pitches, which I think we said last well, week. You know what, though, we have actually done more than a hundred pitches. But mm -hmm. some of them, for example, the Die Hard one, you did. You didn't do a Die Hard film, as it turns out. You did Dennis Quaid in a supermarket, which I find adorable. Still waiting for your diet, but you also did like the premise, a very interesting one where Argyle turns out to be like a super badass double nails uh, mastermind, um, and that's a really interesting direction to take it in. So, so that kind of counts as a double. I know I did two Hitchcocks and I did two Roger Rabbits and I did two Jawses. So one was always a bit more meaty than the other, but I think both were chunky enough, and um, and the bubbles and so on. Um, have always been a joy and very you know, lovely to wallow in our own self-indulgence. So huzzah and onwards. Um, but yes, exactly. So I think huzzah and onwards definitely, Sheppy. And I'm grateful, you know, you, you said it there too. It's probably been me uh, slightly more pushing for the change, if you like, in terms of just a slight um, tweak of it. I, I love this pod. I love doing it. I think it's fair to say... Um, for both of us, we didn't know really what we we're getting into. We've been best mates for bloody decades, and uh, I was really excited to have a pod where we have a bit of a chat. That has turned into something where we are doing a lot of pre-work, and it's a big, you know, those you listeners will know some of them are absolutely epic and amazing, and you know, but but it every time we do it, it's probably at least 
two to three days of our lives every time, which is amazing and brilliant and lovely to wallow in, but it's a lot as well. And we, we've gone and created, despite the fact we get a free website, we've gone and created our own website as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who needs a website for a podcast? We do. Of course we do. So we, It's so we... <laughs> lovely. If you haven't checked it out, what's the address, Jimmy? Because I love this website. <laughs> it's shoulderspod.com shoulderspod.com and you'll find all our apps there with uh, lo- amazing blurbs written by Sheppy. Well, 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 let me stop you there and I'll say that <laughs> your design and your what you do and how you realise and put through the titles and everything, glorious. Anyway, stop that. Let's stop that. That's terrible. We're veering into horrible sludgery and We're I don't like the sludgery. taste of it in let's, my gullet. <laughs> let's retreat because we've got a bit of a an agenda for today, Sheps, that you've um, also suggested, which is a bit of a check-in on Fools and Horses, which would be great, and then a bit of a chat yeah. about two cracking shows that have just come to an end in Ted Lasso and, and Barry. So should we should we do it? Should we have that little bubbleness? And I've got we can we can get we can do that, and then I've got like a, a real talk about agenda. I've got some stuff to get into. Oh yeah, do you want to do that first? Okay, shall we do that first? So we can wallow in that and be be all fresh and happy, and then just touch on the end of the TV stuff at the end of the sort yeah, of yeah, do it that way. We'll, we'll yeah. be about we'll be less liable to go totally off on one about the TV stuff, hopefully. Um, so yes, whilst we've still got a bit of steam in our sails, the thing is this: we were talking just now about um, the, the pitches that we've done, and and that's been lovely. And there were a couple. Um, which I just want to, I'll get to in a minute. Um, I meant to do a lot of this on our very first bubble. Um, I fully did And some of the, what I'm about to say, I have said more than once, but it's worth repeating always. So I'm going to say some, some standard sheppy, like wafts of wisdom. And I'll, and I'll say this as well. So, um, so this is kind of like the introduction of the sequel. There's also bubble, the first bubble, the sequel. Um, I want to tell you some observations that I just had, and I don't know if everyone knows this or some people have thought of this or, or I'm, I'm like the only person in the cosmos to ever think of this, which I think is probably the most likely because I'm a pretty fantastic guy, Jimmy. <laughs> Nonetheless. nothing um, so hard at that, was <laughs> Let me say this to you, Jimmy, and I want your honest feedback. TV and film themes that sound a lot like other songs. And sometimes it's a song comes out and it sounds exactly like a TV theme, or sometimes it's the other way around. And I've noticed over the years that You're Beautiful by James Blunt is 100% the, the Incredible Hulk TV theme. I mean, it's obvious, it, it clearly is. I mean, people don't talk about this openly in the street, and I don't know, it's ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. Um, it's mm-hmm. now, is that, um, I'm ripping it off, is that subconscious? Is it a coincidence? Because, you know, there are only so many notes in the world. Is it possible that James Bond watched The Incredible Hulk when he was young and then it's been incorporated in? Or was it a knowing thing? Or is it, again, a total coincidence? Um, so there you go. There's another one for me, Walking on the Moon by Sting. That came first, I think. I um, sounds a lot like the Bergerac theme. Uh, it's um, again, it's pretty close. Um, so there you go. Think about that. Another one, and someone who you and I used to know a long time ago, 
needs credit for this um and that's that's it that's the credit but how deep you, how deep is your love um the bg song it sounds a lot like the theme tune to the upper hand i mean am i right am i wrong do 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 that's the best one. Imagine them playing football in the hill during the end credits, really far away in the distance, too far away. The cameraman got it wrong. Uh, so there you go. And uh, an honourable mention, I will survive. I mean, it is the Rocky Rift, right? It's, it, it is the Rocky Rift, but which I haven't checked which one came first the Rocky Bill Conti theme, or I will survive. In any case, uh, that's one little observation I wanted to share. I love all those observations, Sheppy. Um, I love them. I'm gonna. I am going to um, now re-listen to James Blunt and think about him seeing a uh, Lou Ferrigno on the subway and trying to play <laughs> that instead uh, uh, with another man. There you go. Like it's the whole bloody dual identity of uh, oh, there you go. Banner and uh, and the Hulk. That's exciting. And hey, look, before I tell you, I saw Creed Bloody 3 the other day. Oh, Rocky nice. Rocky and Wonderfulness. Um, have you, you've seen it in the cinema, did you? Yes, I think, yes. Yeah. I made sure I did, because we had watched all of the other Rockies. We had rewatched, I should say, but we watched Rocky 5 for the first time. And we went all the way through, right to Creed 2, and then we went to see 3, because how could you not, after that sort of runway, to be like, nah, we'll catch it later. <laughs> and that was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so no, we, we absolutely went. Um, and yes, liked it. Liked the angle for the opponent and, and so forth. What did you think? Yeah, completely agree. I thought it was fantastic, actually. Four stars, not as good as the first Creed, but still fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, a very good third part. I think because Creed 2 is also Rocky 2, uh, Rocky 4 2, then um, I'll always, you know, that's great for me. That's a treat. Um, but I liked this. I liked it. I will say, did you notice that Michael Jordan couldn't, or rather, I get well, him and Creed uh, um, couldn't, didn't know how to use an electric toothbrush because he, he had the exact same electric toothbrush as I have, but he was brushing it left and right, upwards and downwards with, you know, like a normal one. But I know. I've run out of power once and I tried to do it, it feels totally wrong. It's like walking the wrong way on an escalator, even when it's not moving, but you still kind of wobble. It's like that. Um, I can't, it's impossible. So him doing that in the film set my teeth on edge and I say, nay, sir, nay to you. That's ridiculous. Um, that's almost as bad as that Jackie Chan film where the kids playing with the game gear and uh, but there isn't a cartridge in it clearly huge close-up but there's no cartridge in it so there you go i say that to you but other than that i thought it was a great film <laughs> i hadn't thought about that in the moment. Yeah, there you are he found a way of like shooting the fights in a different way and presenting it in a different way which was good just i, I really like that jonathan major's sort of screen charisma i think he's he is really something, isn't he? He's great in the Ant-Man movie as well. And just, he's, yeah. He's, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, he's really good as Kang. And uh, yeah. But I saw him, I saw him in the Spike Lee film with Dennis Delroy Lindo in the, in the jungle when they go back to Vietnam. Plays the mm. son. And I saw him in um, the TV show um, Lovecraft Country, which was good. And he was the main guy in that. I think that was the first thing I was sort of aware of him in. Uh, and he's got a funny face, um, yeah. so that's that helps. And yeah, and I like him very much. So good for him. Apparently, he 
he's in a bit of trouble at the moment. So yeah, no, his future exactly. is going to be. But good for him. Good for Creed Three. Good in terms of if they had never made the Creed films, would we have one day have done set ourselves like a Rocky Seven, and then one of us would then hey, what if Creed and he's trained by Rocky and doesn't it? You know, this leads us on to another nice point. That's a segue sequels that we probably would have done but they actually made them first for example coming to america i'm sure we would have done um top gun perhaps and that that, that could you know that works there's 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 more there's other ones i didn't write this one down this one's off the, off the top of my head but there have been several we got in front of beetlejuice which i like and we got in front of the flight of the navigator with uh, remake which i like so so that works um but yes, other, otherwise, um, fair enough, it's probably for the best. There are other things, there are loads of other things. I'm always thinking of like, oh yeah, if that didn't exist, that's something that I'm sure we would have got, got to. Certainly Willow, I haven't seen that show yet, but they've already done, I absolutely would have done Willow. Uh, it's, I bet, they, bet you they do a How the Duck and it's lucky we got there first. Uh, so anyway, that's a little, that's an aside, um, Jimmy. But I will also say I've had the same thoughts myself, honestly. Agreed. Yeah. And uh, nice. Yeah. I've never seen Willow. I've never bloody seen Willow. Well and then it... we should probably do that then. You don't watch or read anything about um the sequel that they did do. Because it will be an alternative. We've done alternatives anyway. And then yeah, one time, just so you could see Willow, because that's one of my very favorite things about this whole podcast is me saying, Hey, watch this. You're like, fuck me, man. I'm like, I know. I love it. It's it's right up there. Um, it's it's wonderful. So anyway, yes, yes to all of that. Other than that, something I have absolutely mentioned before, but I'm gonna mention it again, are line readings gone wrong in films where the actor clearly actually misinterprets the meaning you know the, the intended context and so forth um and emphasizes the line wrong for example superman gene hackman lex luther puts on the kryptonite necklace onto soups chucks him in the pool and he says mind over muscle like he's cool is he's like he's saying it like it's an insult towards superman like my your mind has been beaten by my muscle mind over muscle or your mind is stronger than your muscle it doesn't make sense what he means is mind over muscle meaning my mind over your muscle i beat you and he doesn't it's it's insane and what was dicky donna thinking of and um also uh, in return of the jedi the guy the imperial like admiral or whatever is like we're not going to attack he's like no no we just have to hold them here stop them from escaping the emperor has something else in mind but he's like he should be like we're not going to attack he goes no because yeah exactly he's like we're not going to attack it's rubbish it's rubbish mate there are others but those are the two which always stay with me um which as a child i puzzled over so there's something else <laughs> so <laughs> what i love about that shit is you're retabling that and i i'm well, I can't remember about Return of the Jedi, but you definitely said the Gene Hackman one. I, like, I want to say I at least on the Superman one. If not, on also the one we got together in Poland. So you just want people <laughs> to keep bloody knowing Gene Hackman. I do. I'm really, I know. There are, there are various things. There are other things that I know I've said more than once that I want to say now, but I'm not going to. But I just have to make sure. It's like I need to improve the chances of it hearing the right ear, catching the right imagination and reaching heights that no one has ever dreamed. So that's why I'm always going to mention Gene Hackman, Miss 
pronouncing his sentence structure. Um, right. The opposite of that, by the way, is there are lots of examples, of course, of good actors elevating dire dialogue. But a good one is Fiore's Only or Octopussy, for example, where if you visualize the script in certain scenes as the actors are saying it, and you just visualize the written word, and you know, so imagine you're reading it fresh, it could be translated very, very flat. Sometimes as I'm walking along, I just recite probably out loud um, scenes from Fiore's Only or Octopussy, for example, or like little more going off on ones with topple and so forth. And it makes me really appreciate Moore's choices and inflections because they're so unsung that he transforms these real flat lines. They've got G. Wilson's sticky fingers all over them. So that it deserves a good shout out. Um, and for that matter, Star Trek Three with the much lombasted uh, Paul Shatner, but with the classic shot of the Enterprise in flames going down and Bones and Kirk on the hill watching it and everything. It's the clip they always show on BBC Three. And he says, my God, Bones, what have I done? And that's fair enough. But you see that in the script. It's like, my God, Bones, what have I done? And it's bullshit if you do it like that. It's like, my God, Bones, what have I done? Oh, oh, I got my face. Oh. Um, good old Shatner for absolutely knowing how to translate that line. Oh, my God, Bones. What have I done? What do you always do? What do you need to do? That's interesting to Forrest Kelly. Um, so there you go. Um, so I'm not always negative. By the way, Jimmy, um, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. I don't. And a perfect to Forrest as well. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I've been studying that man for a long time. I want to talk about the Lindhurst blockbusters, which again, I don't know if I've mentioned these before, but it's TV programs starring Nicholas Lindhurst that you could argue have been translated into Hollywood massive mega budget blockbusters. For example, The Piglet Files is True Lies. And they say, oh, it's this French film. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But Piglet Files got there first. So Piglet Files is the original True Lies. Uh, and Goodnight Sweetheart, he passes off Elton John's songs, Beatles songs, everyone's songs. Uh, when he's back in time at the pub to like get in that, uh, you know, that lady's knickers. And so, you know, it's yesterday. Uh, so it's two for two. So what's next? The two of us with Clooney and Roberts. So that's what I say to her. Uh, and I don't know if anyone else has noticed that worrying trend. Um... <laughs> worrying <laughs> So there you go. Um, I don't know, Jimmy. It's it's random stuff. But any anything, any any, any thoughts? I don't know. I know it's a bit of a curveball. <laughs> so the gap between True Lies and Yesterday is something like twenty years, right? <laughs> the trend that we're talking about here. It's the getting there. From like you know these shows, the red the red wire, the red string on the wall that someone's really got around the lintel. It was a slow burn, but it's it, you know, the time is slowly you know the fuse has been lit a long time. On that, I think. Yeah. This is about the trend. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Something big is coming down the pike. You just watch out. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of. Um, Arnie, <laughs> um, I, I have two paragraphs I want to read from two lost pitches, which I never read out originally from very early on, and I was going to read them on the first bubble, and I just never did, and I just never have. Um, so it's just, like I said, it's just a paragraph 
and well, two paragraphs basically. Um, the first one was an alternative sequel to the, the Last Action Hero, and I believe my sequel to Last Action Hero was kind of like a true sequel, it was like two years later, '96, and so on. But this one was kind of like a, a Jimmy sequel, which is, whereas it's more present day. So this one was 2021, to put it in perspective, Jimmy, from when we did the Last Action Hero podcast. So this film is 2021, directed by John McTiernan, because he's out of prison, as we know. Um, so, oh, and also as, a, as an aside, I've written here, and this is a cut and paste from my, my original file of notes. Um, Arnie's that could have sequels, Conan, obviously, Red Heat, Commando, Raw, and for some reason I've written Commando slash Raw Deal, like either or. So why either or? Why can't it be either or both? Uh, and then dot, 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 Predator. So, so there you go. So that was an early thought. My sequel uh, is The First Action Hero, 2021. Danny Madigan is in his 40s, divorced, disillusioned, distressed. He finds the golden ticket, or it finds him, and he meets Jack Slater once again in Slater's world, one that's forgotten about Jack and is now all about superheroes. And Jack is retired and feels redundant. The pair must genre hop from Western to musical to sci-fi to kitchen sink drama to French New Wave to 70s Kung Fu to anime to find the second half of the ticket and close the door permanently or else all cinema's forgotten characters will come out to our reality to wreak havoc and seek revenge. Jack battles many foes, including many of Arnie's past characters using de-aging tech. Uh, so John Matrix, uh, the T-800, Conan, Hercules, but he's dubbed like he is in Hercules in New York, so it's the uh, like American dub when he talks to himself, um, and Arnie himself from Pumping Iron, and Slater is like, geez, what a prick. All of the villains are defeated and sent packing, the main villain is a prick, I've written, and the tagline, escape your genre. So so there's a little... Amazing. Uh, a little I know, I, I, again, it's just been in the back of mind. And, Jimmy, if that wasn't enough, uh, when we were doing the Hitchcocks, um, I did the birds. I also did a kind of like a, a, a slimmer one for a Psycho 2. But I also had an idea for uh, rope sequels. Um, I, rope is like one of my favourite hitches, and it's very similar to the play, which was also um, adapted to the pilot of uh, Columbo. So there could be even a TV show or just film sequels. One is called The Candlestick Contingent, um, and the other one is called The Philosophies of Caddle, and it's Jimmy Stewart as Rupert Caddle returning. And with Rope serving as an origin story for an armchair academic whose unorthodox philosophy involving superior humans having the right to murder whomever they see fit for the benefit of society, was horrifically and traumatically taken literally by two students resulting in the murder of a fellow student. And that's the plot of Rope. So now he's having deep guilt for past beliefs and for, that, and for how his teachings gave quote unquote permission to these murderous youths. And now Rupert Cadrell journeys the country on a lecture tour um, and with murder never far behind. And so wherever he goes, it's like murder she wrote and there's something going on. Like Columbo, uh, it focuses not always on the whodunit, but often the how does the perfect murder get solved shtick. And the Caddle philosophy or the philosophies of Cadwell has the character mostly coincidentally be present at the scene of a perfectly hidden murder, for example, or something like that. The question being sometimes, is it murder? 
Is there even a death? Whatever that means. And how did the culprit manage it? And what was their motive, psychology, philosophy? Um, and Caddle can never make up for the death of David, the student who was murdered in the road, but he can focus his skills on stopping more murders and more murderers. And the tagline for that, one of them is, rope was just the beginning, exclamation mark. And another one is, James Stewart is Rupert Caddle, armchair academic, erstwhile scholar, full-time sleuth. Uh, so there's, there you are. So I just wanted to throw that out there as we uh, have our little bubble part two, intro part two, self-indulgence part 37,000. <laughs> Yes, well, lovely, Sheps, lovely. That sounds awesome too. And uh, it's making me think like when you need it, and I know it's on your slate, but Poker Face is like Ryan Johnson made a show for Sheppy. And I think you're going to bloody love it. And uh, oh, great. you'll understand why I've said that when you start watching it. But, yeah. Well, that's lovely. Well, there you are, Jimmy. So that's what I wanted to throw out there, given this little uh, moment of mirth and happiness. Now we can talk about Ted and Barry coming to a close since we've just had the ending of Succession and it's another definite, definitive ending for three very, very strong shows, uh, which never went down, in my opinion. No, well, let's do Ted first, shall we then, Sheps? Because, like, nice. so I, uh, I, yeah, look, is it is it, uh, it is definitive, but they could easily bring it back. If Apple right. really want to coin in, you know, the Kent era at uh, Richmond is there and, you know, probably, isn't it? And everything. I don't think anyone would do it. The story doesn't have them all dying in a plane crash or anything. Um, and they could always come back. Yeah. But I, I don't, you know, no one would want it to happen. Um, you know, they, they know that it's, you know, they've landed it well. I don't think anyone would be interested. I think Sudeikis was always very keen on that in the first place. Let's, but but you're right. Let's say hypothetically, yes, absolutely. Uh, no one has been removed permanently from the board, um, and everyone has like gone off in their natural directions. I love the fact that it's a continuation. She's staying on after sort of hinting that she might get rid of the club, um, and so that's nice to get that. And it's like the last episode of Cheers, frankly. Um, and having having that wobble but not, and then giving it you know, the path to the fans, and very satisfying on that end. Uh, Rupert, who also is called Rupert in Buffy, let's not forget, uh, when he's not enjoying his gold blend, he gets called a wanker by I believe both sides, uh, which yeah. is nice. And he also the closest he's going to have to a comeuppance, um, really, which is like he seems to have realised that he's you know. He's got rid of his like bimbo secretary and he's just been kicked by his second wife and so on. He didn't enjoy that, presumably, anyway. And he realizes what he had in her, but it's well beyond way, way, way too late. Um, and so now he sees in his own fashion the error of his ways and he has just been called a wanker by thousands of people. That uh, he loved of the club he loved. She didn't like yes. switch to the club he loved. She actually turned that club against him. That's amazing. Yes. The ultimate victory. You're so right. Uh, yeah, she turned. Yeah, um, she turned his republic into her empire. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, she turned his empire into her republic. So there you go. Uh, yes, very satisfying. And as Marta pointed out, um, the she goes to see the psychic lady, green matchbox, and all that. 
And at the end, she does have a family. In fact, you could argue that she does. She has two families because she has the family with the football club and everyone there. And now she's met this dude, and the daughter. And it's like, so it was correct all along. And that's that's a nice twist. That is nice. Yeah, I I had I'd sort of pegged the daughter one, but I hadn't even thought about the, the club being a family, too. And that's really lovely. Yeah, that's great. She's great. And also, she's really great. She Hannah Waddingham. Hannah, yeah. Secretly, the number two character, isn't she? She just sort of came up through the show and really yeah. very important. Yeah. And let's not forget, she was shame, shame <laughs> in Game of Thrones. So uh, eat that. What a career. Um, let me also say this. I got a massive spine shiver from something. And I sent it to you as a message, thinking maybe a thumbs up or a, oh, oh yeah, nothing, nothing, oh, no. not, a, not, oh, even, not even a shocked emoji, not this, even a thumbs up, not even a patronizing thumbs up. Uh, barbecue <laughs> sauce. <laughs> um, barbecue sauce did it for me. Um, really? The recurring thing. I did. Yes. Yeah, I didn't tweak the rest. That's Ted. Oh. That's Ted Lasso's Eye of the Duck. Uh, that's his essence. That's his catra, his living soul. Um, barbecue sauce, when you're playing darts, for example, and you do the sh uh, a tense shot, you say something, uh, and something like barbecue sauce, it works phonetically to take your mind off it, so you throw, and you don't get in your own way, get a better shot. And that's how he beats Rupert in season one. He says barbecue sauce. And he's already proved himself to actually, he's been a, a dart hustler, and he's turned out to be excellent at darts. And he says barbecue sauce for his winning shot. Uh, show, and that's a proper technique. And he's showing that he's like proper old school as a final thing. And then his uh, Wi-Fi password, which he gave to his mum, uh, is barbecue sauce with a A, you know. Monkey, I'm getting uh, the shiver. Uh, building, Sheppy. Building, yep. And then at the end, in the build-up to the, the, the final match, and they're building and building and building, and he's going and he's lining up and he's taking a shot and it cuts to Ted and he says barbecue sauce and it kicks and it goes in the goal. And oh. it's uh, pretty hardcore, hardcore, hardcore. So I like that quite a bit. Um, so, so that That's to me, amazing. That is amazing, Sheps. I know it was all there, and I just, I just hadn't pulled that thread perfectly on the barbecue sauce. And amazing. And I just thought it was throwaway from you. I didn't even remember it was from Lasso. For <laughs> <sake's> from <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I thought I'm going to blow Jimbo's mind. Um, I'll tell you <laughs> something else. Um, I also, I mean, I liked everything. I liked that Keely and um, and um, Roy and Jamie. You're not, you're not told if she goes with one of them or neither of them or both of them. Uh, and I like that very much because they shouldn't be defined by who they end up with. And I like that as well. Um, and life goes on, and that's nice as well. Um, so yes, I like Coach Beard's resolution. I liked everyone's resolution. I really liked that Jamie and Roy became closer and closer um okay. i i wasn't betrayed by that show i wasn't betrayed by that show i trusted it um i let myself be open they were in a position to do something like turn jamie and roy against each other which i thought was probably going to happen anyway but they didn't they had a little thing but nothing really and it, it's 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 so yes it, it was very rewarding and nice i really that. enjoyed seeing jamie become the good guy in the dressing room and a, ni a nice kid in the dressing room really and like and that sort of sums up the, sh the shows and chocolate box factor for me in a way like you know it's really nice when they are a nice group of lads you know what i mean it's just it's just really happy it makes you feel happy and 
yeah and I, I don't really want the conflict so that's nice so um yeah man and i i totally agree with everything you said around keeping it open with the relationships with keely and and all of that and there was something you said just now and it prompted something there i've forgotten but um but yeah just yeah it was man i thought it was great it made some really also, oh, sorry you go no 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 yeah no, i don't i thought there was a pause what you just said Oh no! I was just going to say it's made it made some interesting decisions around what it didn't show you sometimes. Like the big one, I think, was Nate. You know, just not showing him leaving Rupert's job. You know, they made him a real villain at the end of last season, and like, you know, then they kind of retreated almost immediately from it. They had him a little vulnerable yes. even in the first step, and then chipped yes. away that and opened up. And it was all lovely and. I like the moment with him playing their instrument and his dad walking in. I mean, all that stuff was nice, but, you know. Yeah. It was a lot like in things in Cobra Kai, the same things happen to, like, you know, Hawk, where you think they're pretty irredeemable. And 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 if they played it well, you would accept that they go back. But, like, in one second, they go back to full-on guilt. And it didn't do quite that with Nate, but basically. And also, the, the, the girlfriend from the cafe, it did seem to me that they mentioned... Like she's always been like a bit shitty with him, and then she hears like someone say, "Oh no, he's like the manager of West Ham," and she suddenly perks up, and that's when they start going out. And so it's like, oh, I mean, that's a choice. If if I interpreted that correctly, maybe I got it wrong. But if that's a choice, I'm not saying that the whole relationship therefore is not sincere. I bet it is, and I think she falls in love with him, and definitely. But I think that very first spark, the way I read it, was like, oh. And that, that's what got her attention. It doesn't make her a bad person, but it's just a, a, a little interesting, you know, that's just a moment that may or may not exist. And also, I want to say quickly, the tea, um, all the way through the whole show, Ted has absolutely hated tea. And then you have a real, like, Marv from Sin City would say, ah, huge piece just fucking fell into my lap. Um, the mum loves tea. And you're like, right, there you go right there it's like right there there's another huge piece of the ted lasso puzzle falls into place why just yeah so th so that's lovely yeah i like that as yeah. well and i like the resolution of all the characters which i think i said it's worth it i loved uh beards you said it already but that's what i was going to say uh before before which is just like you know, i don't think i've seen that plane moment where someone's actually broken up to get off and get back is really really lovely um, I don't yes. like that, that he needed to marry her in that sort of, you know, pagany Stonehenge thing without Ted being there. Maybe that is the thing that really puts the rubber stamp on Ted's not coming back, you know. Uh, right. But uh, and, and, and he wouldn't even come back for Beard's wedding sort of thing, you know, which is pretty, pretty, well, to be honest. So I, I'm, I mean, that you could interpret that, that Beard just does it and then like sends, you know, the next time he Skypes Ted, got married last night, I thought you don't say. <laughs> I can true. imagine, you know, it's not like he was shunned and didn't return the RSVP or anything. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's good. That's helped me, Shep. Thank you. You always help me in these situations. <laughs> I, my big shiver was Trent Crim's book. I don't know why. It was such an obvious one to just go bang, but it was just nice that Ted was always yeah. never about me anyway, which is kind yeah. of like, you know, there were moments in season three I was getting worried, Sheps, like where we weren't getting really any Ted in Ted Lasso, and I was getting a bit frustrated, oh. and then it really delivered in the last few eps. But, um, yeah, there were a couple of eps where they absolutely just sort of almost forgot they had Sudeikis in the cast. 
it's funny because I didn't notice, and I bet you're right. I know you're right, but I, I didn't notice because I just, I guess, I'm invested in what I like with the characters. But that is interesting. But that's obviously his choice for whatever reason, you know, to focus on the other characters, I guess, knowing as well that he's going to get his, his moments towards the end. Yeah. By the way, did you hear that the whole first chunk, maybe even the first half of this season, was totally scrapped? And Sudeke said, we have to start from scratch. And that's why the show was slightly delayed. I don't know how many, if it was like the first four episodes or the first six episodes, I don't know. But what I heard ages ago, because when it happened, Sudeikis, you know, all the writers said, no, no, actually, no. So I wonder what that was. Maybe it was conflict with Jamie and Roy. I don't know. Maybe it was something totally different. And I wonder if Zaba was, uh, was one of the major things that replaced one of the major things. That's the way, that's a guess. But, and again, I'm, all of this information from the first place is coming off the internet, so take that as you will. But that's that's what I take. I loved Zava's character, though. I thought that was perfectly judged. They brought him in, they had the fun they needed to with him, yes. they took him out again. It was perfect. Yes. It was like, really nice. Like, you know, he didn't really hang around too long or anything. And, like, yes. and, just, and sticking with the players, just, um, oh, God. The the little diminutive guy who's really like you know who basically kicks the the goalkeeper in the face when they're playing oh, international football duty. is life yeah football is life but um, yeah anyway that was really harsh and really yeah and hard and he to... never got a comeuppance he deserved to come up <laughs> and, and I get it I get because it's football is life and it's the opponent now but he he deserved a comeuppance yeah, yeah. Because he's like, amazing. I got to wear a face mask every time. Yeah. That was really tough. Yeah, I got you this one, which looks cool. Oh well, that's all right then. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but amazing. I mean, again, it is, of course, absolutely fantastic, and I like it a lot. Um, I like that they stuck the landing. I like that it was consistently heartwarming. Um, I like. Um, <laughs> I like basically that it just fit everyone. Like, for example, that guy is brought back who's like the, is he Nigerian? Like the super, super rich cunt who has it in for the nice, nice player. Um, and then they bring him back, but he kind of gets his comeuppance in, in a tiny way because he's refused his, you know, his idea for the super leagues and so on. So that's lovely that he is brought back and he does have some form of comeuppance. Um, was a great and other things from just... Rebecca in that room. Like I got real shivers when she was talking, and like you know, you got the montage underneath it and everything. You know, she's fighting the cause of football. You know, yes, and, uh, yeah, it was lovely. <laughs> yes, lovely. So, so let's yes, good. Ted, we could we could definitely go off on one more, but that's good. Ted, that's a great show. Very nice, very satisfying. Another three seasons, and you're done. Bish bash bonk. Hooray, there's not a duffer in them, I say, and I'm looking forward to the rewatch. Now, four seasons Bish Bash done, and that's Barry, um, which I've also finished recently. You finished a little while ago. Um, we don't have to totally go off on one, but Barry, again, were you satisfied with the ending? I was, Sheps. I thought it was it wrong footed me every step of the way, which is what was the intention and, and makes me very happy. My only quibble with it, if anything, I, I loved it. There's so much I love and I can't wait to talk to you about. But my only quibble with it is I'm just reflecting and reflecting on it. It's like I need to go back and rewatch season one, I think, where 
and just see whether we've got any of this sort of dreamscapey type stuff happening then as well you, you know that kind of lynchy type stuff that he has going on in season three and i which is fine that he built to that but like it, it it's not that it felt like it came out of nowhere it's just it he's always been playing with his toys a bit uh barry uh sorry not barry uh our, our man um god yes. um, uh, you know he um he's always been playing with his toys but then like with this one it just felt for me like he was having so much fun doing the lynchy type stuff you know and it was brilliant and it was but i just sort of felt like i was watching almost a different show and and i know that's probably the intention but i just it didn't feel part of a whole. It felt like it went off on one in a very exciting, intriguing way. Does that make sense? Okay. Ted was a no. Bit it makes perfect sense. Like, I'm still. I didn't see. It. I guess ultimately, I just accepted everything that happened. On like, if this is what is happening, then this is what you want to be happening. So mm -hmm. I didn't second guess anything. So I just kind of took everything. But also, it was good. You know, there were lots of surreal touches all the way through the show. I reckon. So the more stuff you know like later i it didn't seem out of place to me there was a lot of uh, you know, highly stylized and things like that and dreamscape and so forth so you know but um so i i liked it i mean again i would i was just and ultimately they made barry very unlikable for me anyway but i think unlikable generally once the time jump which was genius and the time jump worthy worthy of westworld uh, happened and He's just he's just so unlikable um and so i didn't mind at all when uh, the fonz shot him and <laughs> so that was great um and again he, he needed to die as a character anyway and also we should definitely put spoilers right at the beginning of this just oh, to let I'll everyone know yes oh. um and also just in terms of how they handled it with stephen root's character was genius and then his finale where he lets you know, Barry and the kid get out of there and they have that one final after everything he investigating again and that's lovely. Um and the the, the bald guy, um fantastic again, perfect and perfect ending and all of that. So uh, I and again another show that I can't wait to totally rewatch and just go through whoo, all the way through, which I'll give it some time because I still got loads of other things to watch. But lovely. Um great show. Very satisfying. I don't think there was a duffer for me, and I was satisfied. I liked how it went into the future. I liked everything, you know. I I would have, you know, I would have liked to have seen Barry running around shooting people because that's always nice. And there was some of that, but um, you know, again, I'm happy with everything they gave me. So I yes, think, I I completely agree, Sheppy. I thought I I, I don't I sort of led with a, a negative there. I've got to tell you, I bloody loved it too. There were episodes in this season of six out of five, just fucking amazing. Like, yeah, what I have loved about it is like it can go from some of the most horrible stuff to being absolutely like, like spit take laugh out loud. Most yeah. of them come from NoHo, Hank, you know, the bald guy, like <laughs> when they do their pitch meeting when they're running around the table, then he's in the wrong place. Then he's yes. like, yes. it's like, <laughs> oh my God, I thought I was going to die laughing. It really <laughs> And like, you know, and, and they still even managed shit like that in the last episode a little bit too. Like, it's just, you know, they actually end on a laugh. 
I mean, you sort of laughing and crying a bit with that yeah. movie, the movie of the whole thing. You right. did, which is amazing but, you know, to end it. Like, you know. Gene is so screwed, but he was ultimately all about himself. And right even after his eight years at the Caboose and he comes back, he still he's turned by Daniel J. Lewis might want to play. Oh, there. So he was, it's very Bojack, um, and he was hoisted by his own batard massively, and ultimately was a very self-involved character, of course. Uh, and so even though I always liked him, I felt no sympathy, actually, for his fate of lifelong imprisonment and being known as the murderer of the woman he loved, and Barry is the hero, and he's vilified and hated. It's the ultimate blacklist. So um, that's good stuff. I'm so glad he didn't kill his son. I would have been really sad yeah. if he had yeah. killed him. That would have been so dark and horrible. Yeah. Like, and then the son just sold him out anyway, which is yeah. wonderful. I love how people yes. do keep selling each other out. Like that whole with the um, when when his Gene's friend, the the guy who sucks with his agent or whatever, like, you know, he's literally leaving the house as Barry. Yeah, suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> so much stuff yeah. like that makes you laugh out loud, and then it's like two two minutes later, Barry's fucking yeah. dead. Like, do you know what I mean? like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. And then you're gonna laugh again in a minute. Um, yes, no. So so yeah. I mean, again, brilliant. Could talk about it for hours. Probably shouldn't. But everyone was amazing. Everyone made bad choices. Everyone ultimately was very human, but erred on the side of selfishness. And she remains broken, of course, utterly broken. Um, and she had a chance to, you know, she met Emil from Robocop and she had a chance to get, you know, the beginnings of maybe the beginnings of a career salvage, but she chooses to go to Barry and then go into the future. Um, so that's you know, volumes it's as well. Covered three quick things, Sheffy, before we wrap it up. Yes. Well, I've got one more thing to say after this, and then we can wrap it up. Okay, cool. So one was just, um, what do you make of that house moment with her where, you know, it's her sort of mental breakdown and like, and then there's the guy in black just standing next to oh, her yeah. house. That was yeah. quite a stunning moment, wasn't it? But, I mean, it wasn't to be taken literal, right? We were in no. sort of dream I, I thought that like, maybe it had been attacked by like a bulldozer or something yeah, at first. Um, but then, of course, no. So, yeah, I get, yeah, she's fucked. She's so fucked. She's so broken. Um, which is such a shame. It's such a shame. And to be yeah. honest, loads of fucked up stuff happened to her and she was attacked and so on. And that would be enough to break anyone. But I don't know, just because it's, I guess, I don't know. I, I would need something just more of an emotional series of punches, maybe because that's what I've just been conditioned to in watching TV stuff where, I don't know, for her to go off the deep end that much, I would need something, just something else, unless I've forgotten something really bad that happened to her. But, you know, ultimately, she's relatively unscathed. You know, it was just the, the backlash of finding out who he was, of course. And again, in real life, that would kill anyone. But... You know, I think I need to kill that guy, didn't she, when she was attacked? And I think that's right. the point. I think it's because she's actually killed one person, she's fucked, right? Like, you know, and that's gonna haunt her forever. And Barry's killed a bazillion people and isn't, if you know what I mean. And that's, right. I, I think that's maybe what they're trying to do with that. Well, there I, you go, that's great. Well, that I love that, and I, I hope so. And I'm sure that's probably right because that sounds great. 
<laughs> um, I just wanted to call out, I know it wasn't really from the season, but I think it's one of the most transcendently awesome bits of TV I've ever seen is the bike chase in that last season as well. It was just, I just wanted to say, I just thought it was awesome. It was like, she gave up on Barry like season one. She wasn't really in on it. So um, I, I've always, you're the first person I've talked to about this. It's very exciting. Uh. I've been sat on it for a while. So, uh, but yeah, like, so that's the one moment where I nearly just had to pull her back in and say, you've just got to like, you know, and funnily enough, she just walked in on this season. And the only bit she saw was Noho Hank kind of just get his partner killed. And it was like, yeah. it was such an emotionally devastating, like, yeah. they really went for it, didn't they? Ten minutes each. Yeah. And it hasn't been all like this. <laughs> you know, but, um, <laughs> I mean, this is a very, very important moment. Yeah. And then the final thing I wanted to say was just, I did, I don't think I put you onto Barry. I think you found it yourself when we both came together on it. But I know it was yeah. you who put me onto it. And the way he put me onto it was, he said, Jimmy, I'm watching the show with Henry Winkler and he's playing an acting coach. And just to give you an idea, in his, and I, did, I don't think I even noticed this when I watched it. So just in case you hadn't, because in his, in his dressing room, um, he's got a poster and the poster is from one of his previous plays. And the poster is Gene Cousineau is 12 angry men <laughs> <laughs> and i can so imagine him like sitting in different chairs in different... <laughs> yeah oh well there you go and i would watch that and yes that's genius i i i may have noticed that i may well not have noticed that that's genius i love it um yeah brilliant and you can't say fairer than that um what a show. Uh, what a genius show. Um, I want to mention just a tiny little bit, just to keep up for anyone who does happen to listen to the sequentially, the next chapter of the Only Fools and Horses saga did the uh, finished season six, did the two Christmas specials, started season seven. Um, actually, season seven is unlike any other in that it starts pretty much it does a quantum of solace and it picks up where the previous episode ended. Um, and I thought at the time that it was ballsy, but then I found out that the Christmas app and then the, the first season, uh, you know, the first episode of the next season was one week later. It was like the 1st of January or something. So season seven was immediately after, so it makes sense. But what's surprising is um, Dell has regenerated or rather David Jason has in between, even though they were both released a week apart, from you know, episode one of season seven, he looks like 90s Jason, whereas before he was always 80s Jason. It happened, he, it, was a, it was very quick, which, so which I, I can only assume that they must have filmed the Christmas episode in June or something, and then he had like a crazy six months with like a bit of a do and two seasons of Darling Birds of May. So he rolled up knackered for like the beginning of the next season. That's the only thing I can think of, but he doesn't look knackered. He just looks older, but I don't know how that's possible because the previous, anyway, that's exciting. Um, also, um, I mean, I've said it before, the 80s to 90s is such, the biggest noticeably obvious switch between decades ever and it happened immediately 1990 is so different to the last second of 1989 every reality including film and tv and so suddenly it's 1990 then it was the horses and it's noticeable not in a bad way not like some 90s tv but 
Yeah, it's, it's it's nuts. By the way, the Christmas episode it, it ends on a real downer with no joke, and you're like, "Fuck me!" Um, and more and more drama has been weaved into this, and and it's been happening more and more anyway. Season seven, the first episode is also not heavy, but you know it's much more soapy and less silly. And the first few seasons were like Kirby enthusiasm, where like they're trying to do something and they usually fail, and it's some sort of twist or con or something and a caper and now there is still a lot of that sort of thing but it is much more soapy rodney and cassandra um you know and their marriage in trouble was a major major theme um but they get out of uh, the corner that they put rodney as a character in marrying him getting him a good job moving him out they have to torpedo that because they have to be there together when they're down and out so they do it but they play it well and you know, it comes across absolutely clearly that Rodney, as a husband, is a massive dick, really. Um, and also, the more and more I'm, I watch, I'm never quite sure, and I'm still not sure, and I think Cassandra can't act, but I, 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 oh, it might just be genius. It might be genius of Lloyd Pack proportions, I don't know. Um, by the way, Rodney, at the end of Jolly Boy's Outing, which is amazing, and that was the 89... Christmas special, I think, um, or 88 maybe. At the end of it, uh, he full-on punches Alistair from As Time Goes By. Remember As Time Goes By with Dench and Palmer? Good stuff. Anyway, uh, Alistair was a sleazy dude in that, and he was a sleazy dude in this, and he got punched by Rodney right in the face, and in a really effective straight, which both actors really sell. They sold it very well. Um, so, so that was something else I wanted to shout out. We are two episodes into season seven. There are only six episodes in this season, and then that's it for the seasons. And much like Shoulders of Giants, it's specials from there on out. Uh, so the next special is Miami Twice that I have been really looking forward to. And that will end my, my peak of the crest. And I know the specials after that. Uh, I'd, maybe one or two I, I will like, I think, maybe. I'm optimistic, but I know it towards the end it tails off. I am going to end it. I've said it before. I'm, going to end, I'm not going to do it when they brought it back again and again and again. You know, give it the end of that, you know, the first official end. So, yeah. So, there you go, Jimmy. I just wanted to shout out just for continuity. Can I ask yeah. you, has this, there's something Cassandra does as an actress and as a, um, as a moment that I still think about minimum weekly? Like, you know. <laughs> Uh, whenever I have a little moment of, you know, uh, marital strife. <laughs> Where, uh, well, what does that say about my whole life? I'm not really having marital strife moments, but just basically, I just, I can see it indelibly and I probably totally misremembered because it's been at least 30 years since I saw it. But basically, Rodney and Cassandra have an argument and Rodney storms off. And basically, as he says, I'm going down the nag's head. Like Cassandra mimes the word, oh. that is, he says it and flicks her magazine. Right. You know, exactly. Like, nah, I, I see it. Yeah, I always think of that whenever I'm like, you know. Well, fair play. Well, I think she's like a robot, um, and I think she she's like a sociopath, so she mimics, so she can do comic timing. And I've witnessed this. She can do comic timing. She reacts well. She 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 responds correctly at the right moment. Um, so, so I think she's very well programmed in her timing and her mimicry and knowing mechanically what to do with and doing that and understanding 
and seeing you know the director Ray Butt showing her um, and you know do it like this. Okay, right. Um, that's how I see it, but I know that's doing the actress a gross, gross misservice. <laughs> Well, Sheppy, I'm still thoroughly enjoying The Fools and Horses, and I fully respect your decision to leave it on the first and should have been finale. Yeah, completely. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so so that's lovely, Jimmy. That, um, that, that is all I have to give other than my love <laughs> and my admiration, unless there was anything else you wanted to bring to the table. No, I was excited to tell you that Poker Face landed the plane on its first season. I've oh, kind of done right. that already. Yeah, I cannot wait for you to watch that because there's never been a Sheppier show, including The Incredible Hulk, in my view. Um, wow. And then the, um, what else? What else? Nothing else, man. No, that was just a delight. I'll say this. Were you, are you still watching 1883? Did you finish? Are you still in it? No, we're still halfway. Quite enjoying Me it. Me too. Yeah. Yes. We, we do it sporadically, but when we do it, we like it. And, and we've done about half, maybe just over half. And I like it. Uh, and because of this, uh, we watch Tombstone on Saturday. Because, um, Marta traditionally isn't the biggest fan of Westerns, but you know, but she's up for it. And I risked it with Tombstone because of Sam Elliott and all the moustaches. And it went down like gangbusters. And we both were really whooping it up on Saturday afternoon watching Tombstone. So it was great. So yeah, I guess this little extra shout out to that. Great recommendation. I'm gonna I'm gonna revisit that with G2. She's really enjoying it. And also, um eighteen eight like I don't know if you know this, and if you do, sorry, but blew my mind. The central couple, the Dutton, and that's my one thing with it. Like Yellowstone, the characters are so memorable, memorably named. This one I'm always going Sam Elliott or like, you know, his friend or well, that, you know. Can I say I don't want to know potentially who I know what you're saying and it's Dutton and it's the two people no, it's the, nothing the, to do with the show this is nothing to do with the show oh, okay it's just to let you know the actor that plays Dutton and oh. the actress that plays his wife in the show right. married in real life and <laughs> um, are super duper famous country singers in America you YouTube oh. them, you'll see that, like, you know, and he doesn't look anything like as cool as he does in, wow. in real life. How he landed her is amazing. He's punching, he's punching. And then, like, wow. it's really funny to see some of their music videos and stuff and, like, on YouTube. Well, he's very charismatic, apparently. What a twist. That's amazing. So, so to, this is like when some people go, like, they, they're massive fans of House and then they see a bit of Fry and Laurie it's or Black exactly and that. It's, exactly it's that. like that with us and we're like oh my god that oh my god did you know that commissioner gordon is also what's his face sirius black oh my god like fuck off um so we are the fuck off people in this case and that's great i like that he looks like dave batista and she looks like what's her face from aliens and um the, but right. but she looks like how she does in terminator 2 um yeah. when, when she kills Linda berkeley Agree. So, a bit sexier than Terminator 2 Lady, but yes. yes. I get well, she's meant to be dowdy. Um, so if she was called upon, she could certainly, I reckon, be her with Dave Batista, slightly deflated Dave Batista. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> good stuff, man. Good Ooh. stuff. Um, everyone's teeth are too perfect. They make a big deal of everyone having hairy armpits, but everyone's teeth are ridiculously perfect to the point of distraction. Uh, but the young guy with perfect teeth who looks like Tim Roth, 
I like him a lot. Yes, I like him too. And I like the girl who sort of looks like Jennifer Lawrence playing with Yes, him. everyone looks like everyone. It's one of those shows. Everyone is the <laughs> other one. It's true. She does look like Jennifer Lawrence, uh, 100%. So yes, and she's very good indeed. Yeah. Um, and also the, the black dude looks like the dude who's also black in the X-Files and he's also in the News uh, Brothers and in loads of stuff. But uh, it's not him either. So there you go. Nice, Shep. Nice. All right, man. How do well, we do the intro part two? I guess, I don't know. I, I I should have said that we should listen to intro part one so we have some sort of idea. I have no idea how we sign this out. All I will say is um, we're going to do the 50th. I'm going to get motivated. I know you've got a lot on your plate, Jimmy, so there's no rush. We'll do it when we do it. And I myself am saying to you to hopefully help motivate me, I am going to set to work on it this week wow. or your money back. So there you go. <laughs> I have a title and maybe a pre-title sequence, but not much else at the moment. But I will. Um, I've done a you. I sort of was there. I'd start writing it and everything. And I was kind of, yeah. I've got the cast actually as well. I just quickly pulled it up now. Um, but um I then sort of, as soon as you were saying, oh, let's put it back a bit, I was like, okay, I'm going to leave it as well. Yeah, yeah, think. it's my own fault. It's my yeah. own fault. It's, I know, um, but I'm going to, I'm going to bloody do it. It's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Because I've got all the ideas. And as soon as I start writing them down, more things will come. So I really just need to do it. Um, but I've been putting it off, like checking my bank account. So I'm going <laughs> to do it though, damn it. Uh, Jimmy, I like you and I respect you. So and, and I now see you not in your death wagon as I saw as like a serial killer machine at the beginning. Now I see you in the dream machine, Scooby style, and you're out there in the outback solving crime and having adventures. So I respect <laughs> that as well with Skippy. So uh, I wish you all the very best with that. That's not the sign out, but I'm just saying it. <laughs> I like it. No, I think it's not rather sweet and happy. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Nice ships. Well, listen, man. So, until the next time, Shoulders of Giants will return in Shoulders of Giants colon James Bond Roger Moore extravaganza. So, there you go. There's a sign out worthy of James Bond. And by that, I mean not really very good at all. So, <laughs> drilling it. Um, take that, no time to die. Pow, pow. <laughs> sign out. Surely, surely. I don't know. Yes, it's good. It's good. I'm happy. We'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at shoulderspod.com or shoulderspod at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. 